0: Is The Talking Dead a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show The Walking Dead? Good morning, everybody. My name is Chris, and my name is Jason, and this is The Talking Dead number 265, recorded Tuesday, April 19, 2016 tuesday yeah it's tuesday i want to apologize to all the tuesday morning commuters or or at least you know the people well i guess all almost all around the world uh who who listen to us on a tuesday morning generally usually of course we record monday nights and release it on monday night but there was some stuff in the way this week i'm afraid and we had to move the recording to tuesday morning um in case anyone wants to know it's the, the stuff that got in the way is some family stuff involving me. My wife goes in for a pretty significant surgery today. Uh, don't worry, she's okay. It's just a preventative thing, but it is a big deal. And I didn't think me sitting in front of a microphone for two hours last night instead of, you know, hanging out with the family was the best choice.
1: Well, yeah. And so uh, we all, you know, wish her the best and she uh, she's going to be in recovery later today and you'll go down and see her and that'll be nice. I will. And, and right now she's... She's on the operating table
0: as we speak, so I'm gonna do this, take my mind off things a little bit, and then when we're done, probably just putter around the house, cleaning up and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, don't forget to watch movies. Well,
0: maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll play some video games too if I can. There you go. If I can get to it. So, uh, anyways, it's Tuesday morning, so you'll get this, you know, later on today, and I hope hope you can listen on your Wednesday morning commute, or maybe even your Tuesday home commute. That would be okay too. That would be all right. All right. So, of course, we're here to talk about the latest episode of Fear the Walking Dead. One thing before we get into that, though, I wanted to let everyone know that we are officially now live on Google Play Music. Nice. So Google Play has, well, music. They, they want you to say Google Play Music all the time. They have officially added podcasts to their directory, and uh, we are there. We got in early. Um, they opened it up to the U.S., and then later on Canada, but I think they've launched across North America now all at once, and we're there. So you can find us on Google Play Music. I just got the email the other day that we're there, and in the email it did say it might take some time for it to show up for everybody in searches and so on. So if you don't find us, you can always go to our website, talkingdeadpodcast.com, click on subscribe and then there's a tiny little link on the subscribe page that says Google Play Music which I'm gonna I'm gonna make it more prominent somehow at some point but it only did just launch So if you happen to want to listen to us there check out our, our subscribe page on the website and you can link over to it
1: The nice thing about web pages is that when you make little tiny buttons they grow over time. Right, the internet uh, is a very fertile place, and uh, mm-hmm. little tiny buttons they'll they'll grow up to be big boy buttons eventually. That's right. So if you just, just leave it, it'll grow. I've just planted a seed; it's yeah. going to grow, and it'll get bigger and bigger. Yeah, little. Very few people know that that's how actually you, uh, you create web pages. You just you just plant seeds for things and they eventually <laughs> grow into a web page.
0: Yeah, if that was it. If the, if only that was it. <laughs> uh, but I want to thank listener Chuck in Chesapeake for. Initially, making me aware of the service way back when, when they announced it, and then kind of sending me uh, reminders <laughs> throughout throughout the months when they changed something. So I received the email to let, you know, to let me know that it was launched, but he also sent me a note too, just to remind me. So thanks, Chuck, for that. I know he's already subscribed on there, and if you want to be like Chuck, you can go subscribe to us on Google Play Music as well.
1: Well, who wouldn't want to be like Chuck in Chesapeake?
0: No, I everyone does, as far as I know. So. Paul, it just makes sense. It does. Uh, okay. So let's talk about the ratings for Fear the Walking Dead a little bit. We can tell you that the ratings for last week's season two premiere were 6.67 million viewers. 6.76.
1: Six point what now? <laughs> 6.67. <laughs> 6. I was close. You you're dyslexic. So it's about half of
0: uh, the regular show. Yeah, it's about half, um, which isn't too bad. It's still pretty pretty high-rated show. But just for comparison, Season 1, Episode 1 had 10.12 million, so we're way down. Now, that being said, Season 1's ratings or viewer numbers dropped a lot over the course of the season. The this, uh, Episode number 6, which was the last episode, had only 6.86 million, so almost all of those people, it looks like, came back to watch the beginning of Season 2. That's good. It is good, and it it means that uh, you know they they lost their viewers between <laughs> over the course of the season between episode one and six. I think number two was down, you know, nine million something, and then it it went down and kind of leveled out around six and a half between six and a half and seven. So, um, so the ratings from season one to season two, or at least the end of season one to season two, didn't change all that much, um, and. You know we'll see how things go over the course of season two. There's fifteen episodes, so there's a lot more time to look at trends and stuff like that that's true um All right, and something else we're gonna do here uh which we were doing last season during season one is take a few minutes to look back at last week and uh read a few listener emails about last week's episode uh, as you know, of course, we don't do the feedback show for Fear of the Walking Dead. So we're going to do it all combined into one big, giant mashup here.
1: That's right. Just a pile. It's a a podcast pile
0: of stuff. That's good. A podcast pile. So here comes some email about last week on Fear the Walking Dead. Katrina, a former Ontarian, but now, or but current, Nova Scotian. Nice. That's good. Nothing wrong with Nova Scotia. Uh, She writes, I'm sure other listeners will let you know, but just wanted to fill you in anyway. I was watching Talking Dead with Chris Hardwick after the first episode, and they did in fact show that the Abigail was a constructed set made in just six weeks uh, for the purpose of the show and was placed in an infinity ocean pool that that is a contained area in the actual ocean. So you get the effect of them actually out in the open sea, which is pretty cool. That is cool. Right. So it is neat. It's a special studio. And you know what? The next email is from David in Roanoke, Virginia, and he's got a little more information. He says, quite a bit of the filming is being done in Baja Studios in Mexico, where James Cameron filmed Titanic. The yacht has been recreated there on a floating stage that mimics the movement of the ocean. So if they do indeed forget to load a camera or another piece of equipment on the yacht, all they have to do is walk down the hallway to the equipment room and grab it. (laughs) That's really cool it's neat. So Baja studios is cool. I I looked up an article on this and it's, it's basically a floating studio built for this kind of thing. So they've, they've got a section of the ocean just off the, the coast, I guess. And it's, um, so, so it's real ocean water. It moves up and down the tide, whatever the waves come in and out. Um, but it's a contained area, which, you know, you can't see when the camera's looking off into the distance. Uh, but that's what they do. They stick a boat in there and then you film on that boat. So it's easy to get in and out from the land. They don't have to go out and worry about other boats and stuff like that. It's, it's really pretty neat. Or sharks. You don't have to worry about sharks. You don't have to worry about platypuses. Uh, probably not platypi, uh, Plat- sharks. Platypi? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's a hundred percent contained underwater. You never whales. Know. Yeah. The whales can be a problem for, uh, filming. I guess maybe you'd want a whale, I don't know a whale in the background that might be pretty cool. that would be a whale of a type. oh zing uh, anyways it's it's a really neat concept this Baja Studios. I think James Cameron may have been involved in the creation of this studio,
1: but I could be making that up. Well, uh, that doesn't surprise me because he's done a lot of uh water stuff like Titanic was all water stuff, mm-hmm. and then he did uh he was uh, directed the abyss. Oh, I love the Which abyss. was all underwater stuff, which uh-huh. was even more complex because the whole they had to build a whole underwater set for the thing. But they wanted, uh, the issue with that is uh, they needed it to be in the deep, deep ocean. So they needed the whole pool to be black, blackened out. Right. But they didn't want to put anything on the surface of the water because they wanted anybody that needed to get to the surface to be able to get up there without having to fight through a tarp or a wall or something. That's not so good. So the, uh, the answer was millions upon millions upon billions of black beads so they f- f- like floating beads that uh that they put on top which would blacken out anything but uh, because they were just beads you could push them out of the way and get to the surface wow that's neat yeah so that was all james cameron he's a very innovative filmmaker
0: he he sure is I, I just assumed in, in the abyss, they taught humans to breathe that liquid and they were all good down there.
1: Oh no, that, that shit was real. <laughs> it is, eh? Like that, that fluorocarbon bullshit, that, uh, that was, that was a real thing. You can really do that. That's why they, uh, they put the rat in the, uh, in, in, in the, in the breathable fluid and it didn't die. So weird. Yeah. So weird. And all he right. was married to Gale and Hurd for a little while. Oh, that's right. See, it all comes back. <laughs> all full circle. That's how that's how they knew about this uh, this film location. It's like, oh, my ex-husband used to uh, film down in uh, Baja, so uh, let's go do that. I know this or guy. Or you go do that, because I'm not sure if she's executive producing this or not. Uh, you know? Yeah, well, she's involved in this.
0: She uh, is. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Well, that's good. I know this guy. He's got a studio. It floats. It's on
1: water. He, He's talk- a complete <laughs> asshole, but he really did some good stuff. He knows his shit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying that James Cameron's an asshole. I'm just saying, you know, ex-wives can... You know, refer to ex-husbands that way sometimes. They, they could sometimes, or they could be best of friends. We don't know. Yeah. No, he's a great guy. I didn't want to be married to the son of a bitch, but... You know, he's a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a good dude. Uh, anyways, it's kind
0: of cool. Um, I might try to remember to post a link to that article I found. It's about the production designer and how they use the, the floating studio and stuff like that. This all comes up because last week we were speculating on, you know, the cost of filming on a boat and going out to sea and stuff like that. But it sounds like it's just... Maybe fairly easy if you have this floating studio and, uh, you can just walk down the hallway to the equipment room and get anything you need. True. <laughs> As, uh, David says. Okay. Kate in Sydney, Australia writes, thank you, Jason, for standing up for angsty, infuriating, irresponsible, never thinking clearly, melodram- melodramatic, dolt head teenagers everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Chris was a typical woe is me teenager before the apocalypse. Now his mom is dead, and he's stuck on a boat with his dad, who he didn't like very much before he killed his mom, and his dad's new family. That sucks on a million levels. Sure, it's frustrating to watch, but at least it's realistic human behavior. True. So should we give Chris a bit of a break, at least for that first episode? Because, really, I mean, he's been through a lot, and if he's going to be uh, angsty, infuriating, irresponsible, so on and so on, dolt-head teenager, maybe that's okay.
1: It's okay, yeah. Teenagers,
0: yeah. You know, what are you going to do? And I'm, you know, not. It's not going to be too long that I have two teenagers in the house, two teenage girls. Oh my God, what am I going to do? Yeah, you're you're hooped. <laughs> I am screwed. Uh, they're going to be great. They're going to be the most perfect angelic teenage girls that walk the face of the earth, and I'm I'm not going to have any trouble,
1: right? Yeah, they're going to be completely level headed and rational, and not get overwhelmed by their emotions or horm- hormones in any way, shape, or form. That never happens. You'll be fine. I'll be fine. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll cut Chris a
0: break. I mean, we'll see if he was any, any better in this episode and, you know, going forward in the season. Okay, finally, Robin on the internet. And this actually was a, a comment from our website, which we do get sometimes. We You can comment on posts on our site, which I never really mention, but we some people go do that. And uh, I don't read them very often. I mean, I read them all, but I don't read them on the air very often. But this one, I thought I would. Um, Robin writes, Do you agree that fear is using poor teen judgment to create dangerous situations, as opposed to something like Dale on The Walking Dead, where he's a conscientious resistor type person? I can't believe a teacher would be so remiss with any form of communication used by a teen, especially after the car-stealing scene in the parking garage in season one. Why would you be so careless? So... If you recall, the car stealing scene was um, Alicia and Chris in the car in the basement of the hospital, and then those military guys came and uh, um, basically stole the car from them, said, get out, beat up Chris a little bit, and then they took the car. Yep. Um, Robin seems to be saying here that scenes like that are kind of putting the teenagers in situations that they're ill-equipped to handle, and now it seems to be continuing kind of into season two with with Alicia on the radio or Chris doing things that's just putting, putting the group in danger. And, um, you know, Robin is maybe accusing the show of kind of exploiting that to, to amp the danger up a little bit. What do
1: you think about that? I think it's probably true. I don't think it's a bad thing, but, uh, it seems like the, the teenagers, especially in this season, uh, are, are getting everybody into trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, yeah, it's not the adults that are, uh, <laughs> that are doing the the crazy things. Uh, at least in the first episode. Yeah. Uh so yeah, I would I would say that uh, that's a fair assessment but it's not a bad thing. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. No, and and you know like Kate said before, you know,
0: these are teenagers and they don't know how to handle things. I mean, no one really knows how to handle the zombie apocalypse, right? But teenagers probably especially because you know, when you think about it, you'd almost think that people who are younger might sort of resist, I don't know, resist the the change a little bit and, and hope or think that things can go back to the way they were or something like that. And maybe if, maybe if they're thinking along those lines, they're not really accepting the fact that things will never be the same in this zombie universe.
1: Yeah, that's true. I don't know. They they definitely won't. Things very rarely go back to the way they were. No, you can never go home life and stuff never goes back. Uh,
0: so so I would agree with you I think that I you know I don't think it's necessarily inconceivable that you know the teenagers would be the ones who get into trouble and create the dangerous situations it may feel if it continues to happen it may feel a little samey on the show if they keep doing it but um I do think it is somewhat realistic that the adults may be able to take more care and just use more caution in, in dangerous situations than a than a teenager would so yeah you know, as I said, I'm going to have two teenage girls in the house soon, and I'm sure they'll get into all sorts of perfectly acceptable and appropriate situations.
1: Right. <laughs> and ask your advice at every turn. At
0: every turn. <laughs> They're going to be great. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's move on to this week now. Season two, episode two. The title of this episode is We All Fall Down, which is a line from um, the song that they sing with the kids. Uh Oh, my God. What is it? The Pocket Full of Posies song. Yeah, Frere Jacques. No, Ring Around the... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Ring Around the... We All Fall Ring Down. Ring Around that one. the Rosie. Whatever it is. Pocket <laughs>
1: Full of posy. huh ashes, ashes, we all fall down. Yeah, something like that.
0: So, we all fall down, Jason. That's true. Every once in a while. The key is to get back up. Here's the description from AMC. Our group seeks shelter with a survivalist family. Madison tries to uncover the family's true motives. Salazar works to uncover Strand's intentions. Nice. So that's pretty descriptive. Yeah, they did a good job that time. You know, it's descriptive without giving anything away. It tells you what the characters are doing without really telling you anything. Yeah. That's not too bad. All right, so we meet some new characters in this episode, and I've got their names here. It's uh, Our group takes landfall because they're trying to hide from a boat that's following them. I assume this is the boat that... You know, Alicia summoned in the first, or unintentionally summoned in the
1: first episode, but... I don't blame Alicia at all. I don't think it's Alicia's fault. What do you mean? Well, she didn't summon them. Well, she gave them too much information,
0: and then... That's some other guys. This is not the pirates that are following them. No, I think it is. I think
1: this is... What was it, Jack? I think this is Jack's boat coming after them. No. Uh, I think it's a different boat. I think Jack's going to show up later, and this is a different boat.
0: Okay, well, either way, there is uh, strands at a large boat coming after them, and they need to hide. So they go into the fictional Catalina, not Catalina Island. Um, Catalina, I think, is the real island. But they go to a fictional island that is kind of based on that island because it has a little cove, and they think they can hide in there. And there's going to be a ranger station they think will have supplies and a radio and stuff like that. But when they get there, they discover that there's a family living in the house, and the characters are George and Melissa. Those are the parents. And they've got three kids, Seth, Harry, and Willa. Willa. Yeah. So what did we think of this episode? Um, I'm going to just say off the top that I thought this episode was um, pretty good. I And I liked it a lot more the second time through than the first time through. Um, I had some issues the first time through that were completely erased when I watched it a second time. What uh, were the issues? Well, uh, it, to me, it felt like the first time it felt like it moved very quickly and, and, um, which I think is opposite to what a lot of people felt. I did see some reaction online that this was kind of a, a little bit slower talky episode, but I felt like a lot happened. You know, when you think about the fact that they were on the boat, they make landfall they get to know this family they they completely figure them out uh you know sort of figure out what their deal is what's going on and then ultimately get everything resolved in in the end as 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 much resolution as you can get and when i watched it the first time i thought man that's a lot of stuff for one for one episode and you know a bunch of characters that i feel like we're probably never going to see again really um, you know, at the end of the episode, some of them are dead and some of them have been left behind and, you know, they, they, I just got a, I felt like we got a good feeling for these characters' day-to-day life. And that came through more in the, in the second time I watched it. But the first time, um, I sort of finished and it was like, whoa, like what just happened? That was a lot of information all at once because we also got information about the rest, the rest of the world and what's been happening up and down the coast and, I guess I just had a hard time kind of digesting it all the first time. Right. And then watching it through a second time, um, I, I took it in a little bit more. So this was an episode
1: that for me really needed two good solid watches. So I agree with your second assessment. Yeah. And I only saw it once. Huh. So I, I thought it was, uh, there was a lot of information. Like we got, uh, oh my God, we got to know what was going on in the rest of the country up and down the coast and over in Denver. And, uh, you know, we basically know that uh, the whole whole world has gone to shit or the whole country has gone to shit and mm-hmm. uh, there's, there's no help. There's no nothing. Everything's just falling apart. Uh, So that's a lot of information, but we also got a lot of, and that was perfectly explainable because they, that's why they came here, because they knew that there would be a ranger station with a a shortwave radio. Yep. So that's uh, the entire point, which is great. And the, uh, the family information um, that we got, one of the, you know, the, uh, the mother, she was desperate to find somebody to help her in her situation. And so that's basically prompted why she flashed the lights and why she got their uh, tried to get their attention mm-hmm. and uh you know this this whole thing was coming to a head anyway yeah yeah and, for sure the family was something was going to happen
0: there no matter what yeah um but uh yeah it's it 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 was a fair bit of information transferred to to the audience but uh you're right it's about the about the whole world or at least the western half of the country and as well as this family, and you know, it all made sense to me a little bit more when I watched a second time. I guess you just pay attention better when you watch <laughs> when you watch the first time. I don't, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> it could be. I don't know. Um. But but yeah, it's uh things like the conversation between uh, Melissa and Madison about her job, and you know, Melissa starts asking. You know, you like kids, right? Everything, you're you're good with kids. And you could just see when I watched it the second time, Melissa finding out that she was a guidance counselor, worked in the school. And she's like, oh my God, you're perfect. You know, she didn't say it at yeah. the time, yeah. but you're perfect. You're the kind of person that would, would take someone, take someone on. So, um, what Melissa wanted to do, of course, is send the two younger children with them because she didn't think there was any future for them on the Island. Uh, and, and maybe the folks on the boat could take them and keep them safe. And that brings me a quest to a question jason what yeah. do you what do you think of that concept to me it seemed like they were doing pretty well on that island they had they had a farm or not a farm they had a garden that we saw they were growing food they had a certain amount of security with the fences around them they were remote uh, I know there were there were there were infected um nearby in sort of the tourist village but they were still pretty far away and they hadn't come over to them yet so they had a certain amount of security and they have supplies and all that sort of thing. So I'm not entirely sure that getting on a boat and sailing off into the unknown really is any better than the situation they had.
1: Well, I sort of agree with you in a, uh, a high-level logical point of view. Like if you're taking on the all of the information that you know... And that I know and that the audience knows, yeah, that seems like a little, a bit dubious. But if you're looking strictly at the perspective of the mother, she's got uh, a couple of situations. She's got three big situations that she's trying to deal with right now. One, she's sick and she wants her kids to be taken care of. True. Uh, Two, uh, the grass is always greener somewhere else. So, you know, uh, this life that she has right now, sure, is relatively safe, but it's also stagnant. And what kind of future is that if just, you know, all you're doing is living on this spot? I want my kids to grow up and be happy and, you know, meet other people, not just live with uh, just the family. Yeah. So that's the second situation. The third situation is uh, my husband's a little crazy and he's been telling everybody that uh, we've got these magic pills that'll keep the family together uh if they take them. Okay. So uh she's dealing with that as well. Like I got to kind of get get them away from this crazy person cuz you know when worst comes to worst he's going to kill everybody.
0: Okay. Well the, the sick thing her about ha- her having multiple sclerosis. I mean that's that's one thing. Absolutely. That's she said she's not going to die tomorrow but she won't be around forever. Yeah. Um that's fine. The whole, you know, grass is always greener. I mean I can see that in real life or in the non-zombie apocalypse. But in this situation, if you've got food supplies, you're growing food, you've got a certain amount of security, I don't know. I mean, it, for me, it would be tough to think that, that going out on a boat into the open ocean where there's virtually no supplies
1: would be a better situation. So I don't know. And, if you're thinking that's the end state. You know, if, uh, if the boat is just a method of uh, going somewhere mm-hmm. safe and better, that's, that's the end state. The, right. Uh, you know, these people seem to have it together. They got a decent boat. They got some level headed people that are trying to get somewhere safe. Mm-hmm. You know, let's just put the kids on board that boat and they will go somewhere safe safer than here where I know there's zombies coming all the time that we got to deal with. And if yep. anything goes wrong, everything goes wrong. Yeah. But that's the situation in the whole world. So that's what I'm thinking is that just, uh, they're, they've got a plan. They've got the means. So, you know, put the kids on board that boat, they're going to end up somewhere safe.
0: Right. If, if that's what you think, if you're going to get to somewhere that is actually safe and sustainable, more so this ranger station that that does make some sense now the whole the third point about the father with the pills and stuff this is also something i wanted to talk about so nick finds these pills when he's rooting through the house presumably looking for drugs he can take
1: which is finally finally i was like oh finally a a, you know an addict's behavior showing up this is what an addict would do that's that was great. I was very happy to see that. Me too, to be honest. Uh an addict would go looking for drugs. Uh so
0: I, I was glad to see that too. Except what I didn't get is what what made him look in that half globe where he found the pills? And and then at first I started thinking, and why does he know or how does he know that those are those pills have, you know, are poison and the father has bad intentions with them? I guess he explains later, Nick says that you know, he's a drug guy. He's done a lot of drugs. He knows what pills look like. He knows what they are and stuff. And I, I guess I can buy that. But but why does he automatically jump to, this father's going to poison his whole family? I didn't, I didn't really get, I didn't really think that came across. He's pill psychic.
1: <laughs> yeah, but, well, That's the only explanation. Like he uh, he picks up the only object in the room, of a room full of various objects, and uh, he finds the object that has the pills in it. And then as soon as he sees the pills, he's like, oh, I know what these are for. And therefore can, you know, uh, psychically glean exactly what the intentions are behind these pills. Yeah. I, that didn't come across to me. I mean, I mean, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's an explanation, I
0: suppose, but a, a more realistic one, I'm not so sure it came across. He was, he first went to the bathroom. Makes sense. He's looking in a medicine cabinet. This is where you find pills. Right. And then he's snooping around in, uh, what's his name? In George's office. And there's all kinds of stuff in there, books, everything. It's just a big mess of a place. And he somehow finds the pills in this half globe. And sure, let's say he's just snooping and he gets lucky and he finds them in there. He takes them out and then he identifies them as poison, which may or may not be correct. But he automatically thinks that this father's going to poison his whole family. So it it felt like a little bit of a stretch or a leap
1: to me. Well... He was also talking to the son, the young son, about what was going on, and he and the kid mentioned the pills that uh, he's got. The, there's these pills that when they take them, the family will be together, the and that son, already had set him off. The
0: son did he? Cause I I remember them t- picking up the action figures with the red dots on their forehead, and the
1: son saying, "That's what you do to people when they when they die," I guess. Yeah. But he but mentioned they, the they pills. They talked about the pills. He he talked about uh, oh. these uh, magic pills that uh, you know that'll. That'll keep me safe because if I, if I take the pills, then the family will stay together. Oh, right, right, right. About the superpower pills or whatever. Yes.
0: Okay. See, I didn't even pick up on that, but that, that brings it together a little bit more. So the son tipped Nick off, uh, the son, the younger son, that son, that was Harry, tipped him off and then he found the pills and Nick decided that he was going to Jonestown the whole family. Right. Which was a. Giant, massive death cult. I I must admit I had to look that up. Yeah. They all drank the Kool-Aid. They did. 900 people died. It was fucking crazy. Well, that's a good way to describe it. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. That, that makes more sense. So Nick, he knows pills. The son tipped him off. And then he's like, this father's, you know, maybe not quite there yet, but he's going to, he's going to kill this whole family if, if it comes to that. So, um, all right. See, See, this is why we do this. It's making more sense to me already, and I'm I'm on board with it. Good. Um, but you don't like the pill psychic idea? <laughs> well, you know, pill psychic is good, but I think your uh, you're the the actual explanation is much better.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Well, <laughs>
0: but he's hey, his own. you know, Nick also said in this episode to Travis that he is at risk youth, and I guess that helps to solidify the fact that he's the kind of kid who would recognize poison pills. How old is he? How old is Nick supposed to be?
1: Teenager, like 17, 18, I think. Oh, okay. Well, that's fine. He's at risk youth. Well, I figured he was at risk adult. Well, he's. I figured he was 22, 23 or something because cool. he's out of high school, right?
0: Okay. Maybe. Actually, you're right. Maybe he is over 20. He's still, he's
1: fairly youthful. Yes. But he's not an at risk youth. He's a drug addicted adult. He's an at risk young adult. Well, it's not even at risk anymore. <laughs> he's beyond at risk. He is a drug addict. Yeah, it's you're no longer right. a risk. It's an actual.
0: Why do you think he was so good with the kids? I have a, th- I sort of have a, a theory. Like he he was really really friendly with those kids. He really got along with them. knew how to talk to them, and uh, you know was friendly. He was playing the video games, which was yeah. great. It was on a throwback. This was supposed to be in 2010, right? I think so. It was on an older device, uh, but he he was just really good with Harry and Willa throughout this episode.
1: Well, the. I think- well, from what I've heard of addiction, and I'm not sure exactly what the source of my uh, information on this is, but when you become an addict, you, your, uh, your development kind of stops at where you are uh, in a way. So that if you become addicted as a, a, a late teen, yeah. so 17, 18 kind of thing, you basically uh, stay that way for the entire life of the addiction. Uh, so that if, if you're you know you're 25 years old, um, you know you still are uh, the same as you're acting the same as you did when you were a, a teen when you first became addicted. Mm-hmm. So maybe he can the fact that he's been an addict for a while means that he's uh, you know he's uh, emotionally younger than he actually is. So he's able to relate more to the kids.
0: Yeah, that's actually kind of the same idea I came up with. I didn't really. Connect it to his addiction, but I just sort of thought he's you know maybe closer in age to these kids than he is to his parents, and he's kind of a kid in a lot of ways, he's sort of immature yeah. and things like that, and he he's you know they're they're pretty young kids, they were maximum ten years old, yeah. the younger ones I think, maybe not even but he seems to be have a really good rapport with them and I, and I liked it but at the same time I thought this was a great episode for Nick because he also came off as quite insightful you know as he's going upstairs with um the younger son he 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 says to Chris that it's you know it's better to be with people he says you know I know you're you're upset and stuff but I do know one thing it's better to be with people so he was inviting him up with them basically Chris didn't take yeah. it but i it's nick is turning into be it seems like a pretty well-rounded character at least in this respect he understands the adults or you know chris isn't an adult i think he's even younger but he understands other people and and what they need and what and what they need at the time but he also seems to be able to be really cool with the kids and stuff like that
1: he's the most well-adjusted drug addict i've ever encountered
0: (laughs) so far anyways yeah Yeah. (laughs) um and the other thing I thought about those those action figures, which was neat, is that um, Harry, the son, referred to a couple of them as the Colbys. So I think that means, like, friends or neighbors of them. Yeah. And then one is Uncle Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he's got action figures of his uh, former friends and relatives. Yeah. So got, we have neighbors and Uncle Kyle. Kind of sad, Colby's. really. Yeah. You know. But I guess that's part of the way he he remembers them. So, um Uh, Talking about Nick, now, Willa, she doesn't survive this episode, unfortunately, and she turns into a zombie and ends up eating her mother, and that's right after she takes one of the pills. Harry comes running down the stairs and says, Willa took her pill, she's dead, and as the mother's cradling her, she turns and eats the mother's neck. Now, if she took the pills, does that mean Nick had them? Because when he found them, she walked into the room, and they went to color together, Is this kind of Nick's fault? Did he leave the pills with her somehow? Like, how would she have taken that pill? Why would, why did he, did he take them from the globe or
1: did he he leave them in the globe? That's a good question. It's an open question. I don't know the answer.
0: And, and I feel like that's, uh, you know, something that might, well, I I don't know, maybe we're not going to ever come back to it, but where did she get that pill and why did she have it? And I feel like maybe it's Nick's fault. To a certain degree. After saying all these nice things about Nick, I'm like, he, he screwed things up pretty bad there.
1: Well, maybe he left them out. Maybe the kids knew where they were.
0: Maybe the kids knew where they were. I don't know. She came into the room as he was holding them. So, so either way, I don't know. It's, it's possibly, possibly not a good thing from from his perspective. So, um, let's see what else have we got here? I wanted to just go back a little bit about sort of the information that was, um, portrayed in this episode so um what we learned from when George was talking is that San Diego has burned down so yep. they were on their way to San Diego but it's not there anymore he says they have napalmed up and down the coast and he listed Portland Seattle and Vancouver so those are all pretty north up the coast yep. of course well yeah um, but obviously we know Los Angeles is basically burned down as well.
1: He said they've shut down the border to Mexico, so there's no getting in or out. Well, well how would they do that and why? And they can't do that. that. That that part struck me as completely and utterly ridiculous. Why wouldn't they just abandon the border? Well, I bet
0: you they have by this point, but I think maybe what he was saying is initially they shut it down to prevent people from moving, spreading infection, things like that. That's that's the kind of thing that you would do if if there was some disease that was... Transmitting amongst people, right? You might actually say nobody comes or goes anymore because we need to contain this.
1: Well, yeah, it just—I mean, the uh, shutting down the border means they're no longer processing people through the checkpoints, mm-hmm. right? They're not actually shutting down the border because you know if they could shut down the border, they probably would have done it by now. Yeah, and uh, you know that's what Donald Trump wants to do—is build a big stupid wall between uh, the US and Mexico so that he can shut down the border so all the uh, the rapists don't come across into the United States. I say that with tongue firmly implanted in cheek because Donald Trump actually said that.
0: Oh, what a jackass. Yeah. Uh well, yes, I don't think it's actually possible to do something like that, well with nope. a physical wall anyways.
1: Well, yeah, this uh, $10 billion, $20 billion wall that they're going to have to build, like how tall are they going to build the wall? Is it going to be 40 feet tall? Is it going to be like in uh, Game of Thrones where they build this big, stupid uh, ice wall that, uh, <laughs> well, it's in, you know quarter uh, on the uh, the border of the uh, US and Mexico, so it probably won't be made of ice. My God, imagine made.
0: how much money that would cost to maintain if it was made of ice. Yeah. <laughs> Artificially cooled giant ice wall. <laughs> the stupidest idea, but hilarious. I think Donald Trump probably considered all his options. Uh, you know,
1: he builds things for a living, so, you know, $10 million, if you get it done. $10 bucks for a giant ice wall.
0: Maybe anyway, I just Northern thought that Canada. shutting
1: down the actual, like, the statement of, they've shut the border down so nobody can get across. That was That's just stupid. Well, okay, it's kind of dumb. I
0: think maybe that's left over from maybe the first day of the apocalypse. It's like, guys, we're going to close the border and then just abandon it after a yeah. while.
1: That's like saying we've turned off the ocean. We just turned it off so that nobody goes swimming. Don't, don't go in there. We've turned it off. <laughs> we drained it. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't drain it. You know, where would you put it? No, you... you... We, just, we just turned it off. We just, you know, if the ocean is off. Right. <laughs> don't go in there. It's off.
0: <laughs> we'll, we'll reboot it later, but right now it's off. Yeah. Uh, the other thing we found out is that basically he listed a bunch of states, but basically he said everything is gone at least to the continental divide in Colorado. So like the... Rocky mountains, I guess. Um, and that's half the country, he says. Now I'm surprised they didn't mention Georgia, to be honest. I'm surprised there wasn't just a little Easter egg of him saying,
1: you know, I heard it's bad in Atlanta or something like that, right? Well, it's, they're <laughs> landlocked. They were talking about the coast and the continental divide and the, you know, they didn't know anything about what was going on in the other side of the mountains. Right. Right. Cause I guess so. there's no communication anymore. I don't know. There
0: wouldn't be much probably at this, even at this point. Yeah. Um, but I thought it would be a, an Easter egg to the main show that, you know, uh, East coast is bad, Atlanta, Washington, they're all
1: gone kind of thing. They're so. all gone. Rick's in a coma. Yeah, that's right. I uh, heard there was a guy in a coma. He's, he's not doing well. <laughs> yeah. He's, so, he's going to have a rough, rough time when he wakes up. Yeah. If he wakes up. if you That's never, okay. You. Shane blocked the door. We're good. Yeah,
0: that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I heard this on the radio. I don't, I don't know these people. Um, and then he also talked about, this is the world course correcting. This is just nature saying, you guys are screwing things over so much that's, here's what's going to happen now. And, and that reminded me of, of Herschel way back in season two, I think on the farm, he was, he was kind of saying that this is just nature doing its thing. So right. that, maybe that was the little walking dead main
1: show callback that they that were. It could be, except for, for the zombie virus is uh, you know, a virus from space. Uh, yes, of course it is. Of course it is. No, I'm, I'm not kidding.
0: It's, everything is from space. That's, that's bad, right?
1: No, go back. They, uh, you know, the original zombie stuff, they talked about, uh, uh, you know, a satellite crashing and it, it being the the virus coming from that. What, on this show? Not on this show, but, uh, in, in zombie lore. Oh, in zombie it's from lore. from space. Sure. Fine. It's from space. I don't know if it is in the Walking Dead universe, but maybe. It's meningitis. It's a weaponized meningitis, a form of meningitis that, uh, the uh, uh, the guys that are organizing the Dinner for Schmucks meeting uh, have developed. Oh, yes, I forgot. Somehow I forgot all about the Dinner for
0: Schmucks. <laughs> and that was only last week. <laughs> no, it comes up again this week. Oh, okay. Yeah, it does. Okay, so let's talk about Strand then. So right. Strand is our, our rich guy bringing, according to you, bringing a group of schmucks to dinner to compare with the other groups of schmucks. What do you think Strand is really up to? Any idea? <sighs> No cuz I don't have any idea. I what, don't have any idea. What we the dinner for schmucks idea is the best one I got. It's so far so far the best one. What I've what we got in this episode is that Daniel found a locked safe in the cockpit of the boat
1: which he picked with a pen knife. Oh, it seemed so <laughs> I just got to wiggle this knife around in this lock in yeah. this obviously uh secure safe. It <laughs> did just the click. It, oh, it worked. It just seemed so easy to pick <laughs> that lock. I even wrote that down
0: in my notes here. Anyways, he gets it open. What do you call you on a you don't call it the cockpit of a boat? Is it the bridge? The bridge. Okay, sorry, the bridge of the boat. Inside the safe he finds maps and a really serious gun. Yeah. Like a really serious military weapon. Um the maps were, from what I could see, a map of the Baja Peninsula and maybe a couple other things. And written on the map were things like Mex Navy, so Mexican Navy. And Naval Station, Naval STN, it said. And then there were some coordinates. So this is where he wants to go, presumably?
1: I don't know. I would assume so. Why would he have this
0: map secret, though? Mm-hmm. Well, he hasn't told them their plan. Remember last week I said,
1: Strand is up to something. I'm and- sorry. We're going to get call callback on this. Charts. Oh. Maps are of the of the land. Charts are of the water. Charts. Okay, well, maps,
0: charts. I guess they are yeah. charts. But they were... Uh, Okay, whatever. We'll we'll go with charts. Um, They had coordinates written on them, so presumably that's where he wants to go. Then when he's on the phone, he says, it's me. Yes, it's all clear now. What's the latest you can push it? Sundown? I'll be there. That's right. So, sundown? That's like today, you know, later.
1: it's it's going to happen. And he needs to be there. Yeah, because that's when dinner is. You know, all these people are bringing their schmucks to, uh, to dinner and, uh, he doesn't want to be late. He might not win his dollar. His dollar, his, uh, million dollars. No, it's $1. It's a $1 bet. Rich guys always make a $1 bet. It's oh, okay. not about the money because they're rich guys. It's about the bet. It's about, uh, bragging rights and being better than your, uh, your, your buddies. Right. Okay. Well, they're, they, we've got, he's got a dollar. While he's
0: talking, he's also staring at a postcard. And I'll be honest with you, this kind of reminded me of The Shawshank Redemption a little bit. Um, Are they going to go to Zewatnejo? Yeah. And I don't want to, let's not ruin that movie. It's a fantastic movie. If you haven't seen it, go see it. But it involves a postcard. It involves a location. And uh, In the
1: Baja Peninsula.
0: That's right. That's right. So he's staring at this postcard and saying, you know, I'll be there by sunda- sundown. How late can you push it? So there's something going to happen and he needs to be, or he wants to be there for it. But we, have, we don't know what it is, we don't no. know exactly where it is, and we don't know what his intentions are, so... It's not far. No, it's not that far, if he can get there that day. Now, do you think they're going to stretch this out over the first half of the season at least? Are we going to find out Strand's true intentions before episode seven or eight?
1: Well, we probably have to, because unless they're going to stretch this friggin' day out for a very long time... uh you know, if they're if it's going to happen tonight, mm-hmm. then sundown tonight, uh, then it's going to happen fast. I would assume. I I think so. What do you think that the show is going to go real time for the next uh, seven episodes? Well, maybe one
0: hour per episode, <laughs> and then they'll get to the end of the day. I don't know. They they left in the morning. At the end of this episode, they left the the naval station or the uh, ranger station. I mean. Yep. So, I don't know. Next week, I did watch the preview for next week, which I, I won't talk about right now. But um, it doesn't look like they get where they're going. But I, I don't know. Maybe they do in the end of the episode. I have no idea. But I, I, I just don't think we have enough information to figure out what Strand is up to at this point. He's he's always been a bit of a dick, but he's kind of become a, a, a hyper dick. Honestly, a little bit like when they're bringing the boy on board because they're actually going to bring the boy. He says the children are the definition of dead weight. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's gonna, I mean, he may not be wrong, but it's kind of a dick thing to say with the kid right there. <laughs> well, know? what's he going to do? I, it's the kid. I know. I know. Uh He doesn't need any more people on this boat. Um, So so I don't know. I don't know what's up with Strand, but I do feel like they're doing a good job on the show of making him. A little bit mysterious, but also interesting, because I do feel like he 's on their side like he's he 's with them like he's he wants to help these people for some reason, but at the same time he 's all uh, he 's all mysterious and has some ulterior motives so
1: maybe they're uh he's with an organization that is building a uh, a community of some kind, like a flotilla Battlestar galactica style like they 're just they 're gathering people together on a large a uh, bunch of boats and they're going to head off to try and find earth. <laughs> try and find earth. I <laughs> think that would be
0: an ill conceived mission. <laughs> hey guys, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've we've been here the whole time. That's right. It was earth. Damn you you blew it up. <laughs> <laughs> it was earth all along. Yeah. Uh but but that's a, that's an interesting theory. Maybe for some somehow there's a group of people that are trying to already establish some sort of safe haven. Out in the maybe water. they're going to go
1: to the uh, the bikini atoll, uh, those those islands where they tested the first nuclear devices and a whole bunch afterwards. Oh, there's nobody there, right? <laughs> they moved everybody. They said, "Get the hell out of here! We're about to bomb this place." Yeah, and they got everybody off, so they know that there's nobody there. I mean, sure, it's radioactive, but you know, you deal with one thing at a time. <laughs> well, so I... maybe they're heading there, and they just need a uh, a whole flotilla. Of, what do you call it, a group of boats that sail together? A barge. Armada. Oh, an armada. Okay. They're putting together an armada. Convoy is like on the land, so I'm just not sure what they call it on the ocean. Maps on the land, charts
0: on the water, convoy on the land, armada on the water?
1: That's right. Left on the land, starboard on the land or port. Port on the water. You're supposed to know these things. I am supposed to know those things. It's called a rope on the land. It's called a sheet on the water. Oh, really? Yeah. Rope is called sheet. It's a sheet, yeah. I've never heard that. I knew you were here for a reason, Jason. You should go
0: sailing. It's fun. I've been sailing a few times, but I've, well, I've been on boats that are sailing a few times. I can't really say I did the sailing. Not really. Anyways. I saw the sail. I was right there. I was under the sail. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, You know, as a kid, I went to camp, did some sailing, and then my uncle owned a small sailboat for a while. And I was on that two or three times, you know, when I was 12. (laughs) So long time ago. Uh, Anywho, um... Interesting. I think we'll find out more about Strand. I don't know if it'll be next week, but it will be uh it will be hopefully before the the end of the first half of the season. Um anyways, I got one more thing I think I wanted to just bring up for for this episode and I kind of meant to do this off the top, but here we are doing it sort oh. of, you know, way in at the end. We got here, we're here now. We here we are. I think that this episode probably and this relates to the information that it delivered to us. I think that this episode delivered the central theme for season two of fear the walking dead and that is can or should you try to help people in this situation it kind of came up in the first episode when they were passing those people you know on the on that barge the party boat that you called it and they they decided not to help them here they find this new family and they they really want to help them they i discover something not so right and they want to help the children as much as they can but it doesn't really work out right they they try to help them and basically fail so i have a feeling that this may become the theme for for fear the walking dead at least season two and and i'm happy to say that i feel like this is at least partially a new theme for the walking dead i'm not going to say it's totally unique because the original show is all about doing what you have to do to survive coming back from, you know, the terrible things you've had to do, stuff like that. And, and I'm sure somewhere in there you could argue that, you know, should you help people or should you not help people is, has been explored, but not to the same degree. And I think that's cool. We're finally getting kind of a, a little bit of a new theme on a Walking Dead show. And I'm happy about that.
1: Well, that is good. Yeah. I think
0: the answer is, uh, you should always try, even though you're not successful. Right. I guess so. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, there maybe there are maybe there are
1: situations where trying where you just have to help yourself. That's true. I mean, and the uh even from a larger point of view, the fact that they firebombed uh San Diego and San Francisco, not San Francisco, uh, Los Angeles mm-hmm. is uh you know, why did they firebomb Los Angeles? They're trying to help them. So, <laughs> we're going to light you on fire and <laughs> yeah. everything will be fine after that. Yeah, <laughs> everything's going to be fine. Yeah. We're going to bomb the shit out of you, but that's okay cuz we're trying to save you. <laughs> we're doing the best we can,
0: right? And you'll be fine. So anyways, I think that was that theme was kind of nailed home in this episode uh and and it was kind of necessary this episode for the season probably to set that up, you know, give us this family show us something bad that was going on and, uh, see what, see what our characters do. And that probably will be repeated, you know, not in exactly the same way, but I, I would think throughout the season. Um, I do have a couple more, couple more things. Uh, sometimes I have to remind myself that these characters are really inexperienced in the zombie apocalypse because they don't know what's going on. They're just dealing with situations as they come up. Exactly. But I sometimes have to think to myself, okay, this is not how Rick Or, you know, anybody on the main show would approach this situation. For example, just pulling up to the dock and walking up to the house and basically knocking on the doors without any weapons and saying, hi, anybody here? Hi, we're here. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, that's such a terrible idea. You don't know what's going on in there. But then I think, right, it's only been a couple of weeks. They don't know what's happening. These are inexperienced people. No, this isn't how Rick would handle it. He'd probably go in there and shoot everybody in the face, but that's how he handles things after two years or whatever in the zombie apocalypse. So um, that's it. And then the other thing was Alicia walking around with headphones on by herself. I'm like, oh my God, woman, how are you going to hear a zombie sneaking up on you with those stupid headphones in? Do not wear that, headphones.
1: That reminded me of Hurley with his CD player in the first season of Lost. Right. Because they had <laughs> musical montages in the first season of Lost when he, he, uh, he, uh, Hurley was listening to his uh, CD player until the batteries died, which I thought was a beautiful moment in Lost. When they died? So, no, when went, when the batteries died because yeah, there yeah. was music playing and they had done this for a couple of episodes where he was listening to music and then the batteries just died and that was the end of the musical uh, interludes that Lost had. It's smart. It's a really clever way to do it. It was it was brilliant. So this reminded me of that when she was wearing the headphones listening to music and I'm like, "Oh, that what they did that in Lost."
0: Yeah. That's that's cool. I I was just thinking how it, you don't want to take away your hearing. You need your hearing to stay safe. Yeah. You know, you're, you don't have eyes in the back of your head. You know, you can't taste the zombies as they approach you. <laughs>
1: yeah, maybe so if you you're can driving smell. in your car and you're driving around, and all of a sudden you're lost. What's the first thing you do? You turn down the radio. Why? So you can hear where I, the directions? I'm not are? really sure, but that's what happens when you need to concentrate. You turn down the radio. It's a good point. That's actually what people do. Yeah, <laughs> so I mean, when you got headphones in, you're trying to shut out the rest of the world, right? Like when you're sitting on a mm-hmm. subway, you got headphones in, that's fine because there's people yammering away and you don't want to listen to their asinine conversations because uh, people's lives are boring generally mm-hmm. and uh, you just don't care about them. So you put in your headphones and you can just uh, tune out the rest of the world. But, you know, if you if there's somebody starting a fight at the other end of the train, uh, you pull the headphones out because you need to pay attention need to damn pay it. attention to the crazy people. <laughs> yes, because the crazy people, the crazy might come into your car. Yeah. If it comes into your car on the train, then uh, you got crazy right in front of you and you don't want to have headphones on when you got crazy in front of you. Uh, this is a personal, I know this, because wearing headphones got me into trouble once. And that's a story for another podcast. <laughs> that's a story for another <laughs> podcast. And I don't wear those headphones anymore because they're too damn good. <laughs> <laughs> they're too good.
0: Yeah, that's true. Uh, well... That's interesting. You're right. But I, I was just thinking, good Lord, Alicia, take those out. You need to be aware of your surroundings. But then I remind myself, oh yeah, she hasn't thought of that yet. She hasn't, you know, she hasn't cut her hair short so zombies can't get a hold of it. She hasn't thought to take the headphones out and, and be safe.
1: So, um, uh, yeah, well, it's a thing. Don't, and don't wear a cape.
0: No, don't wear you a know, cape. If you learned
1: anything from the Incredibles, don't wear a cape. You'll get, it'll get stuck and stuff. You'll get hanged. It'll get grabbed, whatever. Unless you're Superman and completely impervious to everything. It doesn't matter if you're wearing a cape or not. No,
0: that's true. Um, And then the one other thing was um, they didn't, when Seth at the end, when he had to shoot his zombie mom who was coming down the, the dock, nobody wanted to watch. They all wanted to turn away. Now they all didn't turn away, but I feel like that was also them being somewhat morbidly curious about the whole thing because this isn't the kind of thing they have seen before. But also the people who didn't want to watch were not really totally accepting the the reality of the situation yet. Right. Whereas on the main show, no one would have thought twice. <laughs> you know, I don't think not at this point, anyways. So that is uh, that's them just showing their their inexperience with the zombie apocalypse. Um, a callback to I think season one of the main show a little bit is when. Uh, Seth takes Chris down to the fence on the on the beach to, yep. to pickaxe the zombies in the face. Seth, um, Chris asks if they can climb. That's a good question. He asks if they can climb the fence, and Seth says, I haven't seen that yet. They're pretty clumsy. But don't you recall back in season one, Rick the first time Rick and Glenn put on the stench coat and they're walking through the town, but then it starts to rain. They have to run. There's a fence that they get through. And some of the zombies are seeing climbing that fence a little bit.
1: Well, maybe, uh, maybe those ones can climb. I think
0: they are retconning the series a little
1: with this one. I think
0: they're, they're, they're retroactively changing the continuity and saying, no, that was just silly. We did that. Zombies can't climb fences.
1: No, I think that the, what they're saying is uh, they probably can't climb, but I haven't seen that yet, so they're still open to the possibility. Well, maybe, but he, he goes out of his way to say they're pretty clumsy.
0: So And the, and the zombies that showed up at that fence, they just kind of bumped their face into it and their hands on it and stuff. So I don't know. I think they're trying to erase the fact that those zombies were climbing the fence in the original series, unless East Coast zombies are more agile than West Coast zombies. I don't know.
1: Well, I I don't know. Maybe these zombies can surf.
0: Maybe. Speaking of surf, how cool did it look right at the beginning when they just came up out of the water? I thought that was was amazing. That was cool. Uh, The first one was you see him kind of floating, but then the second one that comes up just appears out of the water. It was, it, I thought it looked, looked awesome. Like that was a really cool shot. Yeah. So they did a good job. All right. Uh, I like this episode quite a bit. As I said, anything else on this one, Jason?
1: Well, the only thing is uh, right at the beginning when the two little kids, what were their names again? They were uh, Harry and Willa. So Willa was talking something about flowers. I'm not sure. I I went back a couple of times to try and listen to exactly what she was saying about the flowers because I thought maybe she said, look at the flowers. Oh. But she was talking about uh, organizing the flowers. They were making something with flowers. And shells. Yes. Uh, shells, yeah. They had shells there. And uh, so, so as soon as I heard her say the word flowers, I'm like, ah, oh, shit, are they going to kill her? God, another little girl got it. <laughs> yeah. So even this show is kind of hard on little girls. So <laughs> little girl uh, bit the dust after talking about flowers. So uh, I thought that was a callback to the <laughs> to the other show. Yeah. I don't think this show is going to be as hard on little girls as the other show, but uh, yeah, they definitely killed that little girl. Well, After she talked about flowers. We're eight episodes in, they've
0: killed a girl. So, I mean, that's if every eight episodes, that's pretty hard. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah. um, that reminds me, though, in that opening scene, in the cold open, two things. One, they went back to the uh, logo title yeah. screen noise, which I didn't like as much, to be honest. I liked when they incorporated it into the soundtrack last week. Um, but the other thing is, so they were collecting those shells on some kind of a tray and maybe had some flowers, too. And then when the zombies started bumping against the fence, they got scared and decided to go away. But the first thing they did was walk over to the fence and put the tray of shells down on some kind of
1: stump right in front of the zombie. And I'm like,
0: what the hell are they doing? Like, was that on purpose? Did that mean something that I don't understand?
1: Well, that was also a callback to, I'm glad you brought that up. That's also a callback to the original show when they were in the uh, in the prison. And, uh, oh damn it, I forget their names now, but they were uh, they were naming the zombies. Oh, and giving um, them food. Yeah. Lizzie was, well, Lizzie yeah, was Lizzie. naming them, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think this was a callback to them. Little kids still see these as people, uh-huh. infected people that are sick, uh, but they don't think they quite understand that they're the walking dead. So they're, uh, they put out, you know, flowers and shells for them because, you know, if they're going to stand there all day, they better have something pretty to look at. Okay. I could buy that. That's the kids.
0: The kids don't see the forest for the trees, as they say. And, and they're trying to do something nice for them. Yeah. Kids are so innocent, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, here you go zombies have some shells. We collected <laughs> these for you. It's a diorama.
1: <laughs> here kitty 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 kitty. Yeah. Uh, Dear, that's a that's a lion. You probably want to stay away from her.
0: <laughs> you want to be careful. Yeah. Hey, someone just jumped in the lion pen at the Toronto Zoo last
1: week to get their hat. Is that what it was? Well, yeah, uh-huh. they dropped the, she, the woman dropped her hat between the two fences, so she jumped one of the fences and uh, to get her hat. Pro-life tip, people. If you drop your hat in the lion pen at the zoo, don't go get it. Chances are there's somebody uh, around on the staff of the zoo that has a hat-getting pole. <laughs> Probably. Right? I've got this pole. If you drop something down there, I can use the pole to get that thing out so that the lion doesn't try and eat you. Yeah. At the very least, you're agitating the lion. And you don't want to do that. And you don't want to do that because they're in a stressful situation anyway. The lions are in prison, essentially, and prison is stressful, so don't agitate the prison-bound lions. Don't agitate
0: the lions. Don't agitate the zombies behind the fence. That's, you know, two rules of life.
1: You're just asking for trouble. What if that fence comes down? It's not a perfect fence. No, definitely not a perfect fence. Okay, so... One more thing I thought of before we
0: end, maybe we should talk about the scene at the near the end where Willa comes back as a zombie and eats her mom. I thought this was a pretty well done scene. You don't see too much and they cut kind of fast and away a little bit. Uh, But the speed that zombie Willa uses to take out her mom, I thought was, was really cool. Like she, she opens her eyes does a little, like, little kid zombie growl, which I thought was adorable. sure <laughs> <urr>. totally adorbs. <laughs> and, uh, but then things start happening quick and, like, Willa is up and on top of her mom and got her over underneath and she's eating her neck and stuff. And I thought it was pretty well done and pretty pretty surprising, actually. Like, one, I didn't really expect her to come back so quick. But then when she did, I'm like, oh, this is not going to end well. I thought maybe they were going to have to... Kill Willa, and she wouldn't have a chance to take anyone with her. But nope, that's not what happened at all. No,
1: nope. so, I thought it was a pretty well done scene. I thought it was well done too. I thought, uh, and they had to cut away because uh, you know you when you want to film this scene without traumatizing the children, right? The children that are watching this show. That no, the be? children that are acting. You don't want to traumatize oh, okay. the actor children that are in there. You don't want to it's like, okay, now pretend to rip her throat out with your teeth. <laughs> okay, that'll be a fun game. That's right. Okay, we're just going to cover everything in blood. <laughs> sure, that's what we do at home anyway. <laughs> so you have to do some creative editing so that, uh, you know, you don't want to traumatize the children. Okay. Try and keep them as uh, separated as from the, uh, you know, what's actually happening as much as you can. Or what, what they want to portray on screen anyways. So. Yeah. So can I spoil The Shining?
0: Oh. Spoiler alert okay. for The Shining. Spoiler alert for The, the movie shining, is shining, everybody. Um, I don't know anyone that hasn't seen The Shining, but if you haven't and you're worried about The Shining, Jason's about to ruin it for you.
1: Yeah. Press pause, go watch The Shining, and then come back. That's an Be- excellent idea. Because you need to do that anyway. If you haven't seen The Shining, you need to press pause, go watch The Shining, and then come back.
0: Watching The Shining is more important than listening to us idiots ramble on. That's probably true. That's, eh, close, maybe
1: close, but you know, The Shining, you should see it. So, all right, go ahead. All right. So, the actor, the the kid actor, child actor that played Danny in the movie, uh, Stanley Kubrick filmed the kid in such a way that uh, at after the movie was over, he didn't know it was a horror movie. No kidding. The kid did not know it was a horror movie until after it was done. Wow. Yeah. So that that's all I wanted to say. I mean, it's not really a that's spoiler. hardly a spoiler at all. Yeah. So uh, even when, you know, when he's, you're filming the kid uh, reacting to something, like something horrific that he's seeing, like the, the kid doesn't actually, is not actually seeing a horrific, horrific thing. It's just like, okay, pretend to do this. Of course. It did that, so... So you're saying that the blood actually wasn't coming off the elevator? Uh No, they used, like, so much pig blood. So <laughs> much actual blood from animals to do that. Blood usually gets off at the third floor. <laughs> yeah. There's so much about that movie that is so awesome. You should go watch The Shining. But, uh yeah, you can film kids in such a way that they don't know what they're reacting to. Right, right. Um... So I think they tried to do that with this, which is why we got that kind of weird editing during that scene, because we didn't want to actually have the kid ripping out the mother's neck. We wanted to imply that without actually showing it. And
0: and I I wouldn't even call it weird. like It was was a little bit creative, but it wasn't quite as graphic necessarily as some of the other things we've seen on this show and on the main show, and probably because the kid was involved. I noticed that at the fence scene too, where Chris and uh, Seth were spiking the zombies in the face, almost all of them, you'd see one of them swing the pickaxe, and then it would cut, and you'd either, you either wouldn't see it impacting the zombie's head, or you'd see it from a different angle. Right. And now I think that's probably because when they swung it, it was a real actor there, and when they cut, it was a dummy, so the pickaxe could go into its head. Um,
1: Yeah, you very uh, rarely want to impale your extras Your a pickaxe. No, not very often. No. You have to get a special license for that. You, yeah, it's really hard to get that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta you have to apply for it, and it's like, yes, we want to kill an extra. So yeah, okay. So we have to fill out this form, you know, forty-seven B stroke six, just in, to in triplicate uh, to do that. Yeah, yeah, you got to submit it to information adjustment, to information retrieval, mm-hmm, pay you the have fee, to a stamp on it, pay a fee, and then you can kill your extra. Okay,
0: tax. that's not true. <laughs> nobody tried to do that uh anyways i i think that's probably it they were just filming with a real person and then a dummy um but for some reason it stood out because i i feel like sometimes we've seen you know on this show seamless cuts or or seamless shots i mean uh where they've stabbed someone in the head without a cutaway and it's either a dummy or a fake head or a fake knife maybe i don't know so
1: well i fake everything fake everything yeah it is a tv show a real real dummy <laughs> <laughs> yes not a fake dummy a real dummy yeah okay um
0: that's it for this episode i think uh, pretty good episode number two and uh yeah i liked it a lot so good t- good times we will take a quick break and come back with a little bit of listener feedback right after this everybody thanks for listening if you want to help support the talking dead podcast you can do so by using our amazon links when you do all of your shopping at amazon and that's amazon.com.ca.co.uk french amazon german and spain so there's a whole bunch to choose from if you go to talkingdeadpodcast.com slash amazon and choose the country of your choice when you do all your shopping a small tiny cut comes back to us and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So that is a super easy way to help out. You can also visit us on Patreon at patreon.com slash thetalkingdead, where you can make a small monthly pledge. If you don't do a lot of shopping at Amazon, that's a really great way to help too. Um, there's some reward levels there if uh, if you want to do a little bit more. Things like, um, you know, whatever it is, uh, five bucks or something or ten bucks for, uh, for a shout-out on the show or or something you want us to, to, to say, you know, happy birthday to your spouse or to your kid or whatever. I mean, there's all kinds of levels like that. So go check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash thetalkingdead.
2: Listener feedback.
0: All right, it's time for a little bit of listener feedback about Fear the Walking Dead Season 2, Episode 2. And our first item here comes is a call from Designer Will.
2: Hey guys, it's Designer Will, and I just finished watching Season 2, Episode 2 of Fear the Walking Dead. I thought this episode had some more interesting reveals than last week's episode, so I really liked it. Holy crap, did you see Strand has an ulterior motive? Well, I guess we realized that he was up to something, but I think he might be involved in drug trafficking. Seems weird that there would be much of a market for drug trafficking after the zombie apocalypse, but maybe this is why he has Nick to test heroin that's being bought or sold. And I think maybe that's why he took him in the first place. Strand's got a lot of money and he... I just kind of think that these are the puzzle pieces that are starting to fit together. Um, guessing he's going to be meeting up with somebody he's in business with, whether he owes them or they owe him, I guess we'll have to wait to find out next week.
0: Thanks, designer Will. So drug trafficking, Jason, there's a theory right there that I think could hold some water.
2: It's not, it's not bad. <laughs> hold water. Get it? Get
0: it
1: hold water? <laughs> yeah.
0: Get it, like a boat. So drug trafficking. He is in the drug industry, and he thinks that there is still money to be made in the zombie apocalypse in drug industry so uh it would kind of explain why he brings nick along i maybe i don't know i mean do drug traffickers want to associate with drug users yeah probably
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> they are their customers i guess that's the
1: whole point <laughs> that's the so whole maybe point. yeah maybe he's a uh, a drug tester a tester yeah, he's you know he's about to do a drug deal, and Strand doesn't know shit about the quality of drugs, so he's brought a drug addict to oh, test I the see. quality. Sure, here, here, Nick, have some of this and tell me if you like it. <laughs> is this drugs or is it poison?
0: Let me know. <laughs> Let me know. We're about to find out, or both. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and you know what, Nick proved his pill identification abilities in this
1: episode. Yeah, so he's he... pill psychic. He's the perfect guy to have the Strand to have around to do his uh, pill deal in the zombie apocalypse because. Uh, you know, nobody's manufacturing anymore. So whatever's you know whatever quantities of drugs are out there right now, it's very important to to sell them for money. No, to, to
0: I don't know <laughs> to identify the, to identify their quality, I suppose. And if you have a pill psychic with you,
1: yeah, well that's good. I'm just wondering what the motivation for selling drugs at this point is. I don't like, know. Do you trying to get money? Are you selling them for food? Who's going to trade food for? Drugs. Anyway, it just seems kind of iffy, but I'm sure uh, it makes it's a better it makes better sense than the dinner for schmucks idea I had. <laughs> Although dinner for schmucks should be a movie title. There's got to be a movie idea in there somewhere. There is <laughs> there is a movie. Haven't you seen it? There's dinner with Andre, right? No, there's a movie called Dinner for Schmucks. It's got oh. uh, uh, Steve Carell. What? No. Yeah, and, and uh, Paul Rudd. I've Look never, it up. It's I,
0: an actual movie. That's where I got the idea. Oh, I've never even heard of this movie before. I know of my what is it? My dinner with Andre or my lunch with Andre. Anyways, I don't know my dinner about dinner for schmucks. Anyhow. Oh, I uh, thought you got that reference that no, it's an actual movie. No, I
1: think I thought you just came up with that
0: out of the blue. Sounded, oh. sounded plausible to me.
1: <laughs> no, dinner for schmucks. It's an actual movie. It's, uh, Steve Carell and, uh, Paul Rudd. Okay. I'm an idiot. Well, there you go. It's not a great movie, but it's okay. It's okay.
0: All right. Uh, I've heard, uh, I've heard uh, Captain America is a great movie coming up in a couple of weeks, so we should go see uh, that. winter... Nope, uh, Civil War. ...apocalypse, Civil Civil War? Yeah. That's a whole different thing. Okay, our next email comes from Zach in Bulls Gap, Tennessee. He says, I'm so damn glad they didn't take that kid in. I believe this show would be a lot better if we could just go ahead and lose the majority of the under 18 characters, (laughs) (laughs) which I don't think includes Nick. We determined that I think maybe he actually is over 18, maybe 20.
1: Yeah, I think I think so. But that eliminates
0: Alicia. And I think uh Zach would be okay with that. Yeah. Why well, they're not gonna get rid of Alicia. No, no, I don't think so either. Not not until she's killed off at some point. Uh Hoyt on the internet writes, We are getting a lot of info from our friend the X Ranger. The entire west coast is gone, borders closed, and all is shut down as far as Utah. I was wondering what has happened to Canada. I hope you two hosers
1: survived. <laughs> oh, it's cold up here. And, no, it's uh, not. It's beautiful now. No, now it is now, but you know, in Canada, in quotes, oh, this is a colder climate than Los Angeles. So uh, well, zombies true. would freeze. I would assume since they don't have body heat that they would freeze in the winter. So you could hunt them down and kill them in the winter a lot easier than you could in the summer. Maybe. Uh, um, maybe. But then again, uh, if you know Chris and myself, uh, we'd probably not survive. I wouldn't. You might have a better chance. Not much of one, not much of one, my friend. I have two little kids to keep alive, and that's just hard, yeah, and if uh, the zombie apocalypse has taught us anything, it's hard on little girls my My wife, as you you know, she's
0: having surgery today, and before she went in, she said, "I sure hope the zombie apocalypse doesn't start while i'm while i'm uh under anesthetic, oh shit, yeah, and, and if it does, she said, "You better come get me." <sighs>
1: Don't just tell her, don't worry, sweetheart. I'll have pushed a, a trolley in front of your door Yeah, to help protect you. I, uh, well, hopefully somebody does
0: that. So I have time to go get her. I told her, I promised her I'd come get her if the zombie apocalypse starts. Well, there you go. Good me, eh? Good work. <laughs> she told me, don't just run off and leave me there. Come get me. <laughs> I'm like, okay, no problem. Fair yeah. enough. <laughs> All right. Um, Rena on the internet writes, holy shit. I loved that Travis is what he is. Both Travis and Cliff Curtis are Maori. I totally thought the show would make him Mexican. It's one of those douchey Hollywood things to miscast an actor's race. I guess that makes Chris um, a Maori- (laughs) Mexican, because Chris, I guess, is half Maori, half Mexican, if his mother is Mexican. Um, But yeah, it's cool. I think it's cool that um, uh, Cliff Curtis's actual heritage is incorporated into the show.
1: Yeah. No, I think that is cool, too really very cool. You don't see that on TV as 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 often as you should maybe. They've and cast th- Lou Diamond Phillips as all kinds of stuff. He's been Mexican, he's been uh Native American, he's been It's funny you mentioned that cuz I think Lou Diamond Phillips was on AMC's Talking Dead after
0: this this episode. Uh, really? I I think so. I don't I didn't watch
1: it. I don't uh they, you know Lou they, Diamond ju- Upchurch?
0: Yeah, that's right. Upchurch. Uh I I don't they just started Talking Dead for fear this season. And I have a feeling he was on there, but I didn't watch it. I don't, I don't know how I know that, but anyways, it's weird. It's weird that you bring bring that up.
1: Well, uh, I always bring up blue diamond Phillips. Well, you do it's whenever not,
0: I can. It's not the first time. That's no, true. It's not. <laughs> okay. Sally on the internet writes, does this show feel to you guys like a PG 13 version of the parent show? Much tamer and less depressing. It feels somewhat watered down and not heading in the same direction as the walking dead. Hmm. I don't think it's watered down. Oh, watered
1: down, is that, is that a joke? Oh, I didn't think of that either, but <laughs> zing, good one, Sally. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think it's its a tamer version. I mean, they had a little girl, you know, bite the neck out of her mom. I think that's pretty, uh, it's pretty severe. But they didn't show it, really. Well, no, they didn't, but they couldn't. Mm, I right? guess. They wouldn't have shown the same thing. Like this was, that was a very similar uh, thing with uh, Amy and Andrea in the first season of The Walking Dead, right? Where Andrea's sister died, and then came back and tried to bite her, but uh, it did, didn't work. Spoiler. No, that's okay. We're, we're here
0: to talk. We can, right, we can spoil about anything in the past of The, of of the Walking show. Yeah,
1: I'm hypersensitive about spoiler alerts now. I know, I know. After the fact that, that I spoil, and then I say spoiler alert. Right.
0: Um, <laughs> well, but when you think about it, like in the pilot episode of the main show, they show Rick shoot that girl. Uh, you see her get shot and fall down. Um when Carol has to shoot Lizzie, you don't see Lizzie get shot. You see Carol pulling the trigger, and you hear the gunshot, right? And then you see yep. Lizzie's body on the ground. So it's not a whole lot different. I mean, in one case, in the, here we got more than we did with, with Lizzie getting shot and less than we did with Rick shooting the girl in the pilot. So I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure it's it's quite watered down to that degree. Um, and in season one, there was some some shocking stuff. And, uh, but I, but I don't know. I mean, I do get what she's saying, but I think I chalk it up to this, again, just being a little bit different. It's still the early days of the apocalypse. These characters don't know how to handle things and they haven't maybe encountered some of the more horrifying situations that our characters on the main show have encountered yet. So they may get there. Uh, Lee in England writes, good morning guys. So I watched the show last night, really enjoyed it, although... Really enjoyed it, although I was hoping for a bit of pirate zombie swashbuckling. The walkers rising, out, uh, rising up out of the surf was excellent. I really thought those kids were in trouble. And did you notice the ship in the background with the big plume of black smoke coming out of it? More evidence of scurvy sea dogs, perhaps. I saw that. It was a big uh, merchant marine ship from what I could see. Okay, explain the scene to me because somehow I missed this. I don't remember seeing a ship in the background.
1: Well, I can explain it by saying that there was a ship in the background, Thank and there was you. a big plume of smoke coming off of it, and it looked like a merchant marine kind of a, a tanker of some kind. At what point in the episode? At the beginning, right at the beginning, when the when the zombies were coming out of the surf, oh, it was cool. part of the background.
0: Cool. All right. Well, that's good. I, I, to my knowledge, I don't think we'd seen a boat in the background yet, which maybe is uh, a little bit crazy, but um, that's good. That's good to know that there's other stuff on fire out there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's nice when things are on fire. Yeah. Um, Now, speaking of boats, uh, Marsha on the internet wrote in with that very problem in mind, and she says, there are marinas up and down the coast. On a nice Sunday, I can see a hundred sailboats sailing uh, on the ocean from my deck. I checked, and the Marina del Rey Marina, which is actually part of the city of Los Angeles, has 5,300 slips. 5,300. Shit. A few miles south is the port of Los Angeles, which is the busiest port for container ships in the U.S. Adjoining it is the port of Long Beach, the second busiest port for container ships. The Abigail is not far offshore, as you can often see land in the background. There are no other boats around, which is ridiculous. You would think that Strand would be worrying about running into all the other boats on the water with his big yacht. And wasn't the reason for anchoring at the island to avoid a boat that is supposedly following the Abigail... At night, when Nick is talking to Alicia, all the deck lights are on. Lights on a boat can be seen for miles at night. They're in a cove. Yes, they're in a cove. That's the one thing. But I see Marsha's point that, you know, if you're hiding, maybe turn off the lights. Yeah. Well, that's what I usually do when I'm trying to hide is I turn off the lights. Well, of course. I mean, you're hiding in your house, turn off the lights. People can't see you as, as well. And then get that's under right. the
1: bed. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, that's what I do. That's I hide under the bed with the lights off. Uh-huh. W- whimpering silently. Because you don't want to make noise either. No, curled up
0: in a ball, crying to yourself silently. Yes. Um, I think the lack of boats on the ocean, number one, is one of those things where we just have to kind of accept it. Because, again, if we're a couple of weeks into the apocalypse here, there's going to... You would think there would be more boats out there, even if they're either abandoned or stranded and
1: just floating around. And well, would, the boats would bugger off by that point, right? Like they'd either be out to sea, and nobody's coming back ashore. It's not like the uh, uh, they still need to drop off their containers full of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think all the all the uh, you know all the boats would be like, yeah, I'm not sticking around here. I'm going to go sit in the middle of the ocean for a while. Well, but maybe for a while. See, I was thinking that sure, there,
0: initially there'd be a a mass of Outflux of boats from land into the ocean, but it wouldn't take very long because you don't think you wouldn't think that most boats are sort of stocked for long voyages, right? So I don't think it would take very long before those people would either run into trouble and be stuck out there, or forced back into land because they don't have any food or something like that. So you know, two weeks in, I think a lot of boats would probably have moved back to shore, or they'd be disabled or stuck, or actually people have died and turned into zombies on the boats. So you know, there would be boats floating around, um, but we haven't really seen any actually now other than this one that's that's on fire uh, and the theoretical boat that was following them. So yeah, I, I think there probably would be a few more, but at the same time, we kind of just have to accept the fact that uh, it's tough to get other boats sort of in the distance, right? On, on a show, yeah. I, w- I would imagine. Unless they do it digitally, I suppose they could
1: do that. Well, that one was digital. I'm sure they didn't set a boat on fire in order to get the shot.
0: No, you're right. I mean, that's probably, probably was. So maybe that's what they could do. Um, but I don't know. Having digital boats in the background, maybe they're just like, ah, don't worry about it. We'll have enough boats at someday. i will encounter, encounter pirates. Pirates. <laughs> right. Um, okay. Finally, who on the internet writes, how long, more of a question really. How long do you think zombies will hold up in ocean water? The well zombie, whom we affectionately refer to as teabag zombie mm-hmm. um, from the main show, um, got all bloated and gross in a short period of time. On fear, the waves crashing them into rocks. I would, uh, with with waves waves crashing them into rocks. I would think their shelf life would be less than a few days. Here's the thing, though. I looked up what salt water, what effect salt water has on a corpse. Yep. And it preserves it. It slows uh, down decomposition. That's like salting your meat in order to preserve it. I guess so. Yeah. So you've you've salted your dead body or your reanimated said body dead body and it's going to last a little bit longer so yeah if the zombies aren't eaten by sharks that are in the water anyways aren't eaten by sharks or crashed into the rocks and torn apart they might actually last a little longer in the water in terms of decomposition do you think do you think zombies would eat the sharks um <laughs> i think it might be kind of tough i mean you're not very even a living person isn't very agile in the water. <laughs> no, but I'm just
1: thinking if uh, there's a whole bunch of like a, a a flotilla of zombies and a shark goes after them, that the, uh, the zombies would probably start trying to take a bite out of the shark. That'd be, uh, that's a movie right there.
0: Might try. It's, that's happened. There is a, there is a movie out there where a zombie fights a shark. Oh, okay. I don't remember what it's called, but I know it exists. I've talked about it with friend of the show, Dave, before.
1: Oh, zombie sharknado?
0: No, Sharknado is a thing, Um, but I don't think that was it. It was older. It's an older movie. Right. Uh, So yes, but I don't see a zombie really getting much of a bite out of a shark if there's a big shark coming to just eat the zombie. So uh, would a shark eat a zombie? I don't know. I mean, maybe it can tell that it's dead flesh and it doesn't want to eat it, but then sharks are attracted to blood, aren't they? Yeah. So they're
1: basically the ocean's trash can. They'll eat whatever they come across in the hopes that it might possibly be food. So they're like goats. Goats eat anything. Yeah. Can we, they're, can, can we... yeah, you can find, uh, you know, license plates and tires and stuff in this, in the stomach of a shark. So can we call sharks ocean goats from now on? Ocean? Yeah, of course. Goats of the ocean? Yeah. <laughs> All right, fine. Goats are a lot cuter than sharks are though, because the baby goats <laughs> are jumping on stuff and <laughs> making noises and headbutting you. I need to get a baby
0: goat. <laughs> <laughs> Someday it's going to turn up, grow up into an adult goat and then you're not going to want it anymore. No way. I'll, I'll still, I'll still love it. If you, okay. If anybody out there listening, if you want to, uh, make your day, go and look up living on a prayer goat edition on YouTube. It's funny. <laughs> it's the funniest thing you've ever seen. Um, um, and I haven't
1: seen it and I'm going to, I'm going to look it up after the show.
0: You got to do that. Uh, and Jason, if you can make goat screaming videos with your adult goat, then, uh, that's worth it right there. So I fully support your goat buying plan. You won't have to cut the grass anymore.
1: Oh, that's amazing right there. You do have to feed a goat though. Well, I guess it's eating your yeah, grass. Yeah, you have to feed the goat, but you don't have to cut your grass. You just let the goat in the backyard and hopefully it doesn't eat my wife's azaleas. <laughs> and that's feed a flower, right? Yeah. Feed it a tin can once in a while.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Anyways, that's good. Thanks everyone for writing in. This was a fun episode to talk about. I liked this one. So, yeah. so far the season, uh, Fear, the, Fear the Walking Dead season two is uh, off to a pretty good start, I think. So we will be back uh, next week when we're talking about episode number three. Um, And uh, that's going to be fun as well. I have a feeling I know what's going down in the next episode, um, but I don't want to talk about that right now because that might be considered a spoiler. So we will get into that next Monday. Until then... Everyone, if you want to contact us, you can do so by visiting our website at TalkingDeadPodcast.com and clicking on Send Voicemail. That allows you to record a message right into your computer, and I believe you can do it on your phone as well, and then it'll come straight to us. You can find us on Twitter at talking dead or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TheTalkingDead, and you can send email to TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com. All right. That, I think, is going to do it. Until next time, everybody, my name is Chris.
1: And my name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.